Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Prep Life Podcast. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Anger. And today I am joined by Coach Brittany Gable. Brittany, hello and welcome. Happy 4th of July. Hello. Happy 4th to you too and everybody else listening. Yes. Yes. This won't come out until next week, but um, (laughs) so if you listen this um, today to Prep Life Podcast, you heard all about semaglutide and all of that insulin sensitivity that we can have going on and how that can either lead to weight loss if you have good insulin sensitivity, or it can add to weight gain if you have insulin resistance. So really the only way to tell this is through a blood test. So we'll kind of go through some things that you want to look for um, when it comes to like pre-diabetes and type two diabetes. Those aren't typically type two diabetes isn't really what we need to worry about as competitors, but insulin resistance can be very prevalent in certain certain circumstances. So for example, if someone's coming off a pretty rough improvement season, they, or they've been pushing a lot of carbs in a growth um, phase, then they have a little bit of insulin resistance because that buildup over time uh, is basically when the body stops responding as well to uh, an insulin and it can't really utilize the glucose in your body as energy. And so it will get stored either in the liver or the muscles. And then those that aren't stored and, um, are left over basically is going to turn into fat, um, by those elevated blood sugars and things. So we just don't want people to, you know, gain extra body fat due to excess sugars. So let's talk a little bit about like what insulin resistance is and kind of how that works. So you're particularly going to have a lot of weight gain around your waist. And, um, a lot of times lack of physical activity can cause that. But in our case, it's usually, like I said, more of the carb thing unless in the improvement season, or maybe you just took an off season and you stopped working out as well. Uh, that can be kind of a bad, uh, combination. So some things that, you know, would happen is that you could get high blood pressure or high cholesterol, um, high triglycerides, but we're going to talk specifically the most about blood sugars. So do you want to talk about some common things that are indicators of severe insulin resistance? Yeah. So, um, severe insulin resistance is going to be caused like by, you're going to have like increased thirst, frequent urination, um, increased hunger, blurred vision, that's kind of can get scary. Um, headaches, uh, vaginal and skin infections, and then slow healing cuts and sores. So yeah. And that's, slows down. that's our, those are definitely diabetic type of situations. So that's where it's gotten to the point where it's extremely severe. Most cases in our world, um, we'll talk about a protocol that I kind of put together here when we talk about an insulin reset. So when we talk about low hanging fruit, um, that compared to like an extreme of like semi-glutide and things we can do a lot with lifestyle changes to improve insulin sensitivity. And some of those things that I start with, with competitors, especially as they're transitioning off a long improvement season is I'll put them on a high fat, low carb diet. 
it may be four to eight weeks. Basically, if we get a blood test, and we'll talk about what those numbers are going to be, but if their fasting blood glucose is extremely high or postprandial, which is, you know, a couple hours after you've eaten a meal, if you fall within those pre-diabetic or diabetic numbers, then it's probably likely that you're going to need this insulin reset. So in some competitors cases, we can see improvements with a glucometer within like four weeks. Um, some, it takes, you know, a couple months. And so some other things that you can do are just like walks right after a meal to help digest and any sort of, and we'll get further into what these are, but glucose disposal agents are a great way as a low hanging fruit, a very effective, affordable way um, versus like a metformin or a semaglutide. It's a very easy supplement to take to improve insulin sensitivity. Um, okay. So one thing to be aware of is the Dawn phenomenon. So when we talk about insulin resistance, we're talking high blood sugars. So do you, do you want to take what the Dawn phenomenon is and how that can be? So yeah. a client that has high blood sugar in the morning when they first wake up, but then their blood sugars after a meal are completely normal and kind of what a Dawn phenomenon is. And then like how we do a different type of protocol for that when it comes to our clients. Yeah. So everybody experiences this to some extent. Um, you know, most people just don't notice it because their insulin responses do naturally go back to normal afterwards. Um, but, uh, things to help reset cortisol can be adding in meditation, um, doing a deload in the gym. So less weights, you're still in there, at least working out, still being consistent, but not as heavy taking kind of a break and maybe doing some yoga, backing off training days, cardio, and no caffeine. I know we don't want to ever hear that, but caffeine is a, a big indicator, like big it doesn't help with cortisol at all. <laughs> so taking that yeah. out really help. Um, also eating dinner earlier in the evening, um, getting exercise after dinner, um, going on walks after eating and just avoiding snacks that contain carbs before bed. Yeah. And so let's backtrack a little bit. So the Dom phenomenon is, so your body, when it wakes up in the morning, that's when your cortisol is the highest. And that's just human nature. When we start to see our melanopsin starts to see the sun rising and sun peeking through, we get a huge cortisol rush, um, in the morning to wake us up. Otherwise we'd be very sleepy in the morning. People that have like adrenal problems and cortisol dysregulation where they're not producing enough, they, they have a hard time waking up. This is why. So what the Dawn phenomenon is, is it's typically found in people that have abnormally high like stress levels or cortisol levels due to, like you said, caffeine consumption raises cortisol, um, stress does and things like that. So it will unnaturally rise your blood sugar to a very high level. So what I've seen in my clients that have the Dawn phenomenon going on is their blood sugars are in the 100s, which anything over 99 as a fasting blood glucose is considered pre-diabetic. So you'll see this large, you know, this over 100, sometimes like 110, really high numbers in the morning. But then um, 
it's kind of like a false read. So you just have to be really careful. It might not mean that your client is actually um, insulin resistant, but they actually just have too high of cortisol. So they're experiencing this non-phenomenon. The way to kind of test for that would be not only doing the fasted blood glucose test and um, it, you would also do a postprandial. So after a meal, about two hours later, you would take a blood test and see if it was in within the normal range. So two hour postprandial blood glucose, a normal would be like 140. Um, so it's much higher than a fasted blood glucose, which good numbers for fasted blood glucose, you know, anything in the eighties, nineties, seventies are all really good. Um, and then if your postprandial is over 200, then you could have diabetes. So something to be aware of there. And then the other test that you can also take a look at if you, you know, you aren't seeing like if this is for sure the DOM phenomenon or not. Um, another thing to look at is the A1C. And did you want to go over what those numbers should be? Um, yeah. So um, normal is going to be 5.7, but usually when we hit around 5.4, we start kind of looking at it and saying, okay, what do we need to do to fix it? Um, Pre-diabetic is going to be 5.7 to 6.4%, and then diabetic is going to be 6.5%. Yeah. And this is the average of a period of two to three months, like what your fasted blood glucose average is. So in competitors, like Brittany was saying, we definitely want to see in everyone, you know, at least 5.6 or lower, but uh, it could show that we're getting a little bit close to the insulin resistance when we're in that 5.4 to 5.6 range as competitors, especially if we're people that have been exercising regularly over the last three months, we've been eating pretty clean foods. If it's getting close to that 5.7 number, then we know that that competitor probably needs an insulin reset. So outside of all of these things that we talked about, um, one of the things we did mention were, were GDAs. So I've been getting personally a lot of questions about glucose disposal agents and kind of like what their validity is and, um, you know, why basically do we use those? And so one piece of advice that I would have is if someone is using a glucose disposal agent, do this in a time where you're either doing a cut, um, do it post-show if you are one that's going to go off the rails with um, like carbs and sugars. This will help you keep your insulin sensitivity when you're kind of struggling through that. It also helps with cravings. So you could do this, you know, close to a contest prep during a cut, but basically you're, you're going to be trying to help control the blood sugars. And this is a great way to do that. So what are some other things that you feel like you like about GDAs or, um, if you have like a personal example of like how you've utilized them or clients? Yeah. So I love that they help in aiding in fat loss with the people that are insulin resistant. It's very, very, very tough to have any fat loss unless you have some type of help, um, to an extent. And with us competitors, we try anything and everything. And so use utilizing that can really help personally. I've used GDAs in all the different way, like forms of to help me with cravings, help me 
get hungrier too. Like right now I'm using them to help me utilize the carbs better. So that way I want to eat because I'm just full all the time. And I just feel like I'm stuffing myself. Last year I was using the GDAs post-show because it was helping me with my cravings and I would have sugar or like a cookie or something every once in a while. And I would have the GDAs with it and it it would help me only be able to have that one cookie and and not want to eat the entire box. Um, With clients, GDAs have really helped as well um, with the insulin reset. Uh, last year I actually had a client that she came to me with 180 blood glucose, um, fasting. And just in one month, we were able to bring it down back to 90 with the insulin reset and the GDAs added to it. Holy cow. That's half. Yeah. It was crazy. She did awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I have just noticed that one thing that you have to be careful about when you're taking a GDA, um, you want to make sure that you don't do it around the workout. So a client or, you know, yourself could, you could go hypoglycemic. There is a little bit of a risk there because exercise does make us more insulin sensitive. So I always tell clients, you know, the bottle recommends that you take it at three meals with, um, carbs, but you want to avoid those pre and post workout meals because it can, on top of the workout, it's going to also make you more insulin sensitive. And so you could feel a dip or a, um, a drop in your blood sugar. So I just recommend like, if you're, you know, eating five meals and, you know, two of those are pre and post workout, the other three, just put your GDAs with it. When we say carbs, remember when someone's insulin resistant, it doesn't necessarily mean the carbs you traditionally think about. So, I mean, I know you mentioned like a cookie, but actually carbs are a vegetable, um, fruit is a vegetable or I'm sorry, sorry. Vegetables are a carb and fruits are a carb. So you have to keep in mind that not just like white rice or, you know, whatever your prep carbs that you usually think of vegetables are carbs. Um, and so it's when you're in an insulin reset, when you're utilizing fat as your main energy source, because essentially it's either fat or carbs that you're using as energy. And so when you're on a reset, you're going to be high fat, low carb. And so you're not going to necessarily have like tons of rice cakes and oatmeal and sweet potatoes at every meal. Like most of your carbs are going to come from like your fats with carbs. So like avocado, peanut butter, and then also like your vegetables. And because your carbs are, you know, around 20% or lower. So you're just going to have to keep that in mind that it's not, and obviously like your, your core carbohydrates in an insulin reset are going to be pre and post workout. So just ke- kind of keep that in mind, um, as like my disclaimer with this whole thing. Um, and then it always helps to have a guidance of a coach that has years of experience doing this and working with lots of clients in these settings. Um, anything else that you want to add, like, as far as just what, yeah, I time. yeah, go ahead. I want to add that carbs are not the enemy. We're just talking about them when we have things in our body that's making it to where we can't digest and use the carbs the way our body is meant to use the carbs. That does not mean though that carbs are the enemy. This is just this happens sometimes when we are in long off seasons or we 
aren't eating as healthy or not working out. Yeah, we definitely, I mean, I would never want to put somebody on stage on a high fat diet. This Mm -hmm. is more of a transitional thing. So it's very temporary until blood sugars improve. And then once that switch has been turned, then we, I mean, pretty much, I would say 99% of my competitors, you know, leading into uh, going on stage, they're going to be high carb, low fat. It's just, you can manipulate carbs more easily. Fats need to stay like at least like 40 grams for females. So they're, you can do a lot more tinkering with carbs and carbon manipulation when it comes to getting on stage. They're going to make your muscles look more full. You're going to look more healthy and things like that. So this isn't like a long-term thing, but Mm -hmm. that's why it is kind of like a reset button. Um, But it does really help kind of flip that switch and get the person into a more insulin sensitive state. And at that point, they're able to utilize the carbs for building muscle, for energy, and the GDAs really help just utilizing and shuttling the carbs to the muscle so that they're not getting stored as fat. Uh, what other things do you want to talk about? Like some of the ingredients that are in particularly like berberine. I know that one's yeah. probably very prevalent. It's in a lot of different supplements and, you know, specifically it's one of my favorite ingredients of the first form uh, glucose disposal agent, but. I don't know if you want to talk about that. The GDA from first form is like one of the the best combinations of insulin mimickers. So um, berberine, uh, the GDA from first form uh, per serving has 500 milligrams of berberine. Um, So this comes from the root of plants, which we can't really get in foods a whole lot. So being able to take that and then it's uh, also has Gymnema <laughs> sylvester extract. I think I said that right. Um, I think so. This is a, also an insulin mimicker, anti-diabetic plant. So with the combination of those two, it just really helps us utilize the insulin from the carbs that we're getting, shuttling to the muscles, keeping that glycogen in our muscles and being able to utilize that for the time. And then once we get off of that insulin reset or off of the GDAs, then our body is like, it kind of teaches the body to say, Hey, this is where the carbs go. And then we kind of help. So kind of like coaching, we help you learn how to eat and train and all of that. And then you learn to be able to do it on your own. Yeah. I think that really summarizes this whole insulin sensitivity, um, podcast. I feel like, you know, if we can, first of all, get baseline blood work, I would suggest doing it right before you're about to start your prep and you're coming off of the off season or the improvement season, whatever that may be, get like a baseline fasted blood glucose. And you can get that in any basic metabolic panel. Um, obviously you're going to have to do it fasted and then you'll want to avoid eating for 12 hours. So doing it in the morning and all of that. And then that way they should be able to also give you your A1C as part of that as well. So you might not know right away if it's the Dawn phenomenon or if it's insulin sensitivity. So you may have to, if you want to dive deeper, I would say get a glucometer so that you can do your postprandial blood sugar as well. And then you'll kind of figure out, you know, 
whether or not this is, is truly an insulin reset or a cortisol reset that that you'll need. But um, I believe we've done a podcast previously on a cortisol reset, so you can kind of reference that as well. But I wanted to make sure we covered insulin sensitivity today. So, um, all right. Well, with that, we are um, found at on Instagram at Pro Life Podcast or at Glam Girl Bikini. So please just tag us um, in your story. Let us know what you thought of this episode. We always really appreciate any sort of ratings or reviews. It just helps other people that might be interested in the same topics uh, kind of find us. It helps with that algorithm. So if you found value in today's episode, please give us a rating and review just to pay it forward because our mission of this podcast is to help that one listener. And if it helped you, please pass it on to the next person that you might think might find value from it. So um, if you'd like to apply for the team, you can go to glamgirlbikini.com and hit the get started button. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Anger, signing off with Coach Brittany Gable. Thanks for listening, guys.